1: This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. Today in Civil War Talk Radio, we talk with two generations of the Borat family of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. In 1956, Gabor Borat came to the United States as a penniless refugee from the Hungarian Revolution against the Soviet occupation. Today, after a long career at Gettysburg College teaching and directing the Civil War Institute... He is widely recognized as one of the leading Abraham Lincoln scholars of the last 50 years, author of such influential books as Abraham Lincoln and the Economics of the American Dream, and The Gettysburg Gospel. With him today is the second of his three sons, Jake Borat, whose new film, The Gettysburg Story, premiered last week and will be seen on public television. Join us today for a visit with Jake and Gabor Borat, on Civil War Talk Radio.
2: Follow us on Twitter at World Talk Radio. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows,
3: and your favorites. That's World Talk Radio
2: want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite world talk radio network host how about what's new with our network make sure you check out the iRadio blog a look at what's hot at world talk radio and beyond visit www.iradioblog.com today get the inside scoop on every channel on our network including breaking news featured guests blog posts from our hosts and much more make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action visit iradioblog.com Today and stay connected.
0: Listen, listen.
2: The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Welcome
1: to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Coming to you on a sunny Friday afternoon in June 2013 from the third floor of the Brewster Building on the campus of East Carolina University, part of the UNC system where UNC and NC State uh, consume one another in baseball in this year's World Series, College World Series, but not speaking for the UNC system or for ECU or for any other uh, branch of the state government or indeed anything at all just for myself, as I know our guests will do today speak only for themselves. And a legal disclaimer completed. Uh, I will add a bit of law enforcement news that uh, is absorbing attention here in Greenville, North Carolina. Apparently a mass shooting seems to have taken place in our town earlier this afternoon uh, near the Walmart store. And the details are not very clear at this early point, but my wife called me on the phone to say she was out picking up dry cleaning uh, somewhat in that area and saw a lot of police vehicles. Uh, Fortunately, she was not hurt by the gunman, who I presume was mentally ill to be shooting at people in a Walmart parking lot. uh, perhaps uh, shootings like this will occur in every town in America, yours as well as mine, eventually. And once all of us have had a loved one endangered by a madman with a gun, enough of us can vote for politicians with the will to keep firearms out of the hands of the mentally ill. Uh, even if the gun lobby opposes that, the gun manufacturers lobby, uh, I apologize for the political interjection there, but this is too close to home today to, uh, I'm still a little bit shaken by the uh, the phone call uh, to to find out, uh, fortunately that my wife was okay, but uh, somebody's loved one isn't. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll put that behind us. Uh, move on back as we do each week to the Civil War era and talk about uh, Civil War history. Last week there was no live show. I was away. Uh, serving as the guest historian for Matterhorn Travel and their This Hallowed Ground tour, and I want to say what a uh, wonderful experience that was. Uh, this was a very well-designed and compact trip for people interested in uh, in the, the history of the Civil War era. Uh, we, when I first saw the itinerary, I thought uh, you can't be serious. Monday. Uh, one no sunday afternoon at manassas monday at harpers ferry and antietam tuesday and wednesday at gettysburg thursday at fredericksburg and chancellorsville friday at petersburg specifically at pamplin park uh which if listeners if you've never been there and have a chance to go uh, you you must see uh dinner at harrison's landing that night saturday at appomattox uh it was an incredibly busy uh week but but well-designed and just filled with insights and, and interesting uh, things to see and do and the uh, Civil War talk radio was never far from my thoughts as people uh, from the show were connected with uh, what, what success uh, I had in teaching Civil War to the, the travelers on this tour for example at Manassas a longtime time uh, listener and supporter of the show Frank Beecham had sent me a note uh, saying uh, he was in the area and and would like to meet me there. And I thought, great, we've corresponded. I can meet face-to-face. What I did not know was that he would uh, be there outside the bus when we arrived, uh, fully uh, uniformed and accoutred as a member of the 4th U.S. Regular Infantry Regiment. So without missing a beat, uh, it was all as if I'd planned it that way. I had him give a Uh, a brief but excellent presentation to the tour group about the uh, uniform and materials he was carrying Uh, to the the tourists I thought it was as if I'd planned it that way so Frank thank you for making that go so well Uh, later in the week at Fredericksburg uh, a recent guest on the show Chris Mankowski, greeted us there Uh, we worked out an arrangement where he was able to meet us and be flexible when our bus was late Uh, but he took us to see the lesser-known uh, right flank of the Confederate Army at Fredericksburg, the Prospect Hill area, where, as he describes in his book, uh, Simply Murder, which we talked about on the show earlier this year, where the, the real Battle of Fredericksburg took place. And he was able to show us some sights. And then uh, when the tornado warning uh, uh, came up, uh, he also helped keep our group calm and happy in the Uh, The basement of the visitor center along with uh, the other rangers on duty there that day who all did a a wonderful job keeping everybody happy. Uh, Another Civil War talk radio guest who helped make this tour successful was Michael Weeks, who was not there physically, but whose books, uh, Civil War Road Trip, uh, Volume 1 and 2, I took with me. And they were uh, really indispensable, were very useful guides for seeing these sites and uh, helped me out a lot and were interesting to read as well. So I offer an unsolicited testimonial on behalf of those uh, those books. So it was a great trip. I met many interesting and well-read people who were taking the tour, who were interested in the Civil War and also really enjoyed the opportunity to talk to those on the tour who were there because someone they knew was going and and who weren't all that interested beforehand in the subject. Uh, It was great to introduce them to uh, this era of our national history and show them things they'd never seen before. And I saw a lot of things I'd never seen before. I can't wait to do that again. So it was a great week. If you ever get a chance to take one of these kinds of trips, I highly recommend it. In Civil War Talk Radio news, uh, as mentioned two weeks ago at our last live show, there are big changes ahead. Uh, next week will be the last show in the current time slot from the current web host of World Talk Radio. World Talk Radio is uh, has been the home of Civil War Talk Radio for many years. But uh, I looked at the website recently, uh, today in fact, for the first time in I don't know, years, at the World Talk Radio website, and there's only a few shows left there. Uh, We're one of them, but we're like the last occupied storefronts in a dying mall. But World Talk Radio is uh, owned by or partnered with or has some relationship with the thriving uh, enterprise called Voice America, uh, another Internet talk station. And so we're moving to Voice America. Uh, same corporate overlord, same structure, nothing will be different from the show's point of view. We'll have a new web address, www.voiceamerica.com slash show slash 2205 slash civil hyphen war hyphen talk hyphen radio. But you can always go to our companion website, impedimentsofwar.org, and that will still be there in the same place. Same links to the the pre-recorded shows, they'll still be there. Uh, And uh, those things won't change. The main thing that will change, if you listen live to the show on Friday afternoons, as uh, uh, some listeners do, will be on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. starting July, uh, July 1, whatever the first Wednesday is in July. And when our live shows resume in late August, it'll be Wednesdays at 7. So a new time. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. I won't have to take time out of my day, but I won't have an excuse for closing the office door and telling everyone to get lost for 60 minutes on a Friday afternoon. It should work out okay. Uh, As my mother points out, we will now be competing live with uh, both Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune in her local TV market, and I don't know how I'm going to fare against that competition, uh, but... uh, you know, Alex Trebek is a worthy opponent, and we'll give him a run for his money. So that's what's coming up uh, in the future. We'll, when we come back in the fall, Lou Major will be our first guest. We'll talk about Lincoln's 100 days. Tom Huntington will be with us with a, uh interesting, unique book on uh, General Meade at Gettysburg, discovering the unknown victor of Gettysburg. And we'll have many other uh, interesting topics lined up. Uh, some of which I was able to organize this past week as I went to all those sites. So lots going on. Keep checking www.impedimentsofwar.org to see where the show uh, is headed, what we're doing. If you want to contribute to the show, uh, you can always do that with the PayPal button there. Send your dollars to TR at aol.com. Uh, I know I've I've just about run out of books to send you, so I have to put that offer on hold for the time being, but uh, perhaps more of them will materialize in the future. But in the meantime, your donations are always welcome. Well, uh, we'll talk uh, about many topics, including fundraising, a little bit uh, uh, for other enterprises today Uh, as we bring in our guests, uh, Gabor Borat, one of the legendary Lincoln scholars of the 20th and early 21st centuries, and his son, the filmmaker Jake who who's produced a new film, uh, The Gettysburg Story, that had its premiere last week. Uh, Jake and Gabor, are you there?
4: Uh, yes, I'm here.
1: Ah, Jake, welcome to the show.
4: Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh,
1: it, it's uh, good to have you on. Uh, we been corresponding. Uh, I first got uh, news about your, uh, your your film from a, a mass email and it looked interesting and I, I thought I should pursue this and uh, it also gives me a chance to make up a, a long ago incurred debt uh, to your father to invite him back on the show. We, we tried to do this years ago and, and circumstances interfered. Uh, will we get a chance to talk uh, with your dad today?
4: Yeah, I believe he was going to call in. He had said he had tried to call in and was disconnected, so maybe he'll be on again if he's not on. I'm now. speaking
3: to, I you. can hear me? Can you hear me now? I
1: Yeah, Gabor, I can hear you. How are you?
3: I'm fine, thanks. It's uh, wonderful to see you again. or talk it, to you.
1: Yeah, same to you. It, it, it uh, Old friend, it's been far too long uh, uh, since, since we've been able to talk. Uh, how are you doing? Uh,
3: my life is good, but mostly I'm here because what... Jake is doing. I can't quite believe what he's doing. It's so interesting to me. And uh, I guess I'm here basically because, uh, you know, I, I, I've been given battlefield tours for a lot of people over many, many years. I lived here for 30-some years at my own farm and mm-hmm. took battlefield tours with all sorts of people. In the from the President of the United States, and Jake, of course, was centrally involved as well, to, to Sandra Day O'Connor, or, or, or I talked for quite a bit with Colin Powell. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well I, I can go on. Ali Wiesel. I took battlefield tours for all kinds of people, but I never quite seen what Jake is doing. Uh, I've, as I said, I've given battlefield tours for a lot of people and uh, and uh, and uh, what i see now is so different
1: it it the the battlefield itself is is different you as you pointed out you live right on the battlefield at your your beautiful old home the the farm uh at the ford is just a a wonderful place so so you've been there many years and jake grew up there um how, how do you see his work giving you a different view of the battlefield
3: well he he's the one who should say see it <laughs> Plus, i don't have an he, i don't have i have an accent he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> but m- more important uh, you know here at the opening here we uh, have i don't know six hundred six hundred people uh, listening to what he was for his film. Mm-hmm. And the end of it, there was this standing ovation. Uh-huh. I mean, these uh, I, I couldn't... And uh, most importantly, I saw a, a version of it in New York two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I couldn't fully understand uh, really what's happening, clearly. And now I fully understand that you can see the place. I, like, I've never seen it before. I can go up on top of Lee...
1: Mm-hmm. from the top well it, it's it, I, I've seen the preview online of course and, and I'm sure some of our listeners have seen it and it really does uh, uh, present a radically uh, different view of the battlefield from anything I'd ever seen before uh, and and you who, who've lived there and have taken so many people around uh, you know, if even you are seeing something new it really does tell us uh, that Jake is on to something uh, very special here uh let me ask, and I'm going to talk to Jake at length about, uh, the, about what this film does and how it works, but I'm curious, um, have you, besides this movie, have you seen or read anything new about the battle, uh, that, that has moved you recently? I, I have not read Alan Gelzo's new book yet. I haven't, I'm waiting to get a copy of that, uh. Have you heard anything about it? Have you read it? Do you have any thoughts?
3: Uh, it's too early to I have the copy of it, and mm-hmm. I began to look into it, and we are colleagues, so right. we know each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I can tell you is uh, uh, the important part of it is, is that politics is central to the vote,
1: mm-hmm.
3: including, including this battle. And uh, so that's the basic point. He's a good writer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's an able man, and so no, I can't tell you about yet because it's overwhelming. I must admit,
1: it's a big book.
3: <laughs> uh, it's a big book. Yeah, and well, not I... on... Go, go ahead.
1: I say I haven't. I, I haven't got my copy yet. I'm looking forward to it, but it it it's going to take some time to to digest that. Uh, exactly. Uh, 700
3: pages a long book, if I remember that. Right.
1: <laughs> I don't have it filmed on me. Well, we're going to take a short break now, as we do. Uh, we'll, we'll take a, a break for some announcements. We'll come back in just a minute. Uh, we're talking today with uh, Gabor Borat, author of The Gettysburg Gospel, uh, and talking especially with his son, Jake Boritt, filmmaker, uh, about his new movie, The Gettysburg Story. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and this is Civil War Talk Radio.
0: Stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
2: Step up to the microphone. View the finalists right now on VoiceAmericaKids.tv. America's next great star is waiting to be discovered. Step up to the microphone is an exclusive presentation for voiceamerica.tv, where you can see and hear America's next top child star The program is hosted by Voice America's own Cassie Frazier, and new episodes will be available every week exclusively at voiceamericakids.tv. You can say you saw them at the beginning of their superstar career. Tune in to voiceamericakids.tv
0: We're making it easier to listen to the World Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
2: The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk.
1: Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Talking today with Gabor Borat, author of The Gettysburg Gospel, subtitled The Lincoln Speech That Nobody Knows. Uh, Also, uh, legendarily author of Abraham Lincoln and the Economics of the American Dream, one of the great books of the 20th century on the the Lincoln topic. Uh, We're talking uh, with Gabor, also in a few moments with his son, Jake, who is, just produced a remarkable new film called The Gettysburg Story. We'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, Gabor, I just wanted to, to tell you how good it is to hear your voice and, and chat with you. I was in Gettysburg last week with a tour group uh, uh, on a bus. We we were scheduled every minute that we were there. And as we drove along Seminary Ridge, I was looking off, uh, not toward Pickett's Charge, but the other direction and, and thinking, ah, you know, there, there's a friend of mine lives right right around the corner here, uh, but there was no time to to stop and work in a visit, unfortunately. But it would be uh, it would be very good to come out and and see you again. Are you working on anything? Are you giving talks? Are you just enjoying uh, the quiet? Uh, what are you up to these days?
3: Well, I enjoy myself mostly. I must admit, I do quite a modest amount. Uh, but basically, what I enjoy is uh, we have a farm. I work physically a fair amount, uh, and uh, the place is beautiful. And uh, we have lots of friends, and I'm invited for a few things, which which is wonderful. But basically, what I do best is to work some and slowly, because I had a few issues myself. But beyond that, uh, I enjoy life.
1: Yeah, uh, well, it's a, it's a good place to be, and. In, in, uh uh, you know, a wonderful place to do it. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. I know you've got uh, a full schedule and other things, and I, I really want to talk about the Gettysburg story. So uh, thank you very much for, for being on the show today.
3: It's a pleasure to see you again.
1: And you too. Take uh, care. you. Take care, Gabor. Always good to hear from you. I, listeners, I. Can hardly tell you the the debt I owe to uh, uh, Gabor, uh, who for many years was the uh, director of the Civil War Institute at Gettysburg College and uh, the professor of Civil War Studies there. Uh, but he was one of the people I met when I first entered the uh, the Lincoln community in the early nineteen nineties, uh, uh, working at the Lincoln Museum in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, he was, uh, you know, a welcoming colleague at the time, and and has given me ideas and support uh, uh, through the, the decades since then. And it, it is a, uh, a an honor and a pleasure to have him on the show. I want to turn now from the past to the future of civil war studies, and uh, uh, bring Jake back back up here, uh, who has produced a film called the Gettysburg story. And I first came across that, uh, Jake, as I mentioned, uh, briefly in the first segment, when I got the email, uh, it was in the fundraising stage through Kickstarter. Uh, right. th- how did it, th- tell us how that went and tell our listeners, uh, uh, for those who like me may not be on the cutting edge of things, uh, how Kickstarter works and how did it work for you?
4: Uh, well, Kickstarter is a, is a crowdfunding platform. It's an online platform in which you can put out a project. It's a popular place for films, independent documentaries like my own, to uh, go look for funding from people that are like-minded, interested, or want to support the, uh, the project. And so you don't, you don't quite know how it's going to turn out. It's, you, don't, you don't have a finished project looking for funding. And so you try to uh go out and see if you can raise some funding through it. And so Kickstarter on uh on March first, probably around the time you got the email, and our initial goal was uh twenty-five thousand dollars. Now with Kickstarter, it's it's all or nothing. So you have to meet your goal or you don't see a penny of it. And via really almost any means, mostly online, you try to find people that will support your project, whether they're gonna give ten or twenty or thirty dollars, or sometimes it can be thousands of dollars. And uh very quickly, you know, we, we thought we had something different and unique, and we knew Gettysburg was a popular topic, and this is certainly the year to do anything about Gettysburg. And so, uh, but still, you know, it wasn't finished yet. We needed some funding to complete it and to really achieve the level we wanted with the film. And, uh, so we launched it, and, uh, sure enough, within a week, we were, we were, you know, I'd re- reached ten, twelve thousand dollars 12000 and then sent out a couple of the mass emails to, uh, a, a lot of people that we had met involved with the Civil War and, uh, history. And then, sure enough, like in a matter of a day, we reached 25000 and then over the course of the next couple of weeks, it lasted for 30 days. We, we got to uh, over $66,000, which is... Um, and then plus a couple other people that made contributions directly to public television, we tripled our initial goal. So it was very successful uh, from the standpoint of what we were hoping to raise, and it really benefited the film greatly and uh, allowed us to... To uh, bring in some really good specialists on some of the motion graphics and some of the technical aspects of the film, and it finishes a level that that we were only hoping to until we achieved. So it's really a way. Kickstarter was a way to reach an audience before we had a finished film, and make it a better better part of a better project. But also, it was in some ways it was a uh, a little bit of of marketing, if you will, and we kind of built a buzz around the film because what we were doing no one had seen before our film. It's primarily based on cinematography from aerial drones mounted with high-def cameras as well as motion control time-lapse. And so it was really sort of -of state-of-the-art technology. We had amazing cooperation from the National Park in Gettysburg and had access overnight for long periods of time and really got some footage that, that one, wasn't able to be shot even a couple years ago because the technology didn't exist, and, two, you needed pretty special permission to shoot it at the National Park, if at all. And so I think when we released on Kickstarter, there's such a passionate audience for the Civil War, for Abraham Lincoln, and for Gettysburg in particular, that uh, right away people were excited to see something new and different, and it wasn't the, the standard treatment of Gettysburg or the Civil War on screen. And so we were extremely happy, and it was, uh, as a filmmaker, it, it's it's invigorating to have people. I mean, sometimes it's people you know. Literally, it can be family members that are supporting your project. But by far, the vast majority of the people were people I had never met that just came across it via Facebook. And uh, we got a lot of support from various Civil War organizations, both in Gettysburg and, and national ones like the Civil War Trust and and so forth. And uh, we really reached out and um, you know, had over 500 supporters who are all what? really awaiting seeing the film if they didn't get a chance to see it at the world premiere. In Gettysburg
1: earlier this week. So it it is a uh, a new mechanism for for getting a project going, where you you get people donating small amounts instead of having to find some find an angel who's willing to put up fifty thousand dollars sight unseen for your project. You get a bunch of people to to kick in something for it. It's uh, uh now what what i 've seen uh, uh f- from your your website uh you have a preview there it sure. is it it's just visually compelling it 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 is really striking uh and, and i mean Thank listeners you. are thinking, okay this is an audio show and he keeps talking about uh uh what this looks like uh but the only way I can describe it is, is it's aerial photography. Of the battlefield in a way that uh, no one's ever presented before. My first thought was, as I watched the the preview, was, "Man, how they get you know helicopters flying over the battlefield at that height uh, or at that distance, and also without any shadow of a giant helicopter as, as you look straight down." Sure. But you didn't use uh, manned helicopters. You you had drones flying over the, the, the field. Exactly. Uh,
4: exactly. T- exact, yeah, mean we use- Several types of technologies that are, are really brand new and quickly evolving, and now drones certainly have an ominous tone to a lot of people, and they're in the press. <laughs> they, a lot they do, for. yes. And so, but you know, it, it's a drone is quite simply just a uh, a radio control helicopter, and uh, whether it's being used for military operations in. Uh, you know overseas, or if it's uh, if you put a camera on the, on the base of it, you can get some pretty amazing perspectives on the world, and so that's what we wanted to do. And the other part of it is the stabilization that's necessary because a little little model aircraft up in the, up in the air like that's going to shake quite a bit, and so they've really done some amazing things. The company I worked with is Free Fly Cinema out of Seattle, and they're at the forefront of both uh, the RC aerial drones but also the stabilization needed to mount the cameras and simultaneously the size and quality of cameras has gotten smaller and better and so you're getting digital imagery which is it's really surpassing 35 millimeter film and uh just literally this didn't exist a few years ago and so combine all these new technologies how do you use that to tell this story and gettysburg's a timeless story it's been around for 150 years and as long as, as we're talking about the United States and the importance of democracy, understanding what happened in Gettysburg, both the battle and Lincoln's words, is going to be crucial. And so how do we tell it for our time? And so we wanted to use the newest technology. And and that was the idea. So we did use real helicopters, you know, mounted with a camera on the side of the helicopter for some of the footage, with the highest footage when we are at 500 feet or above. That's but we weren't, you're not legally allowed to go below 500 feet, and it's also quite dangerous. And like you said, you would have all sorts of of wind problems and shadow problems and, and just, it would be extremely dangerous. And so we, we weren't going to do that, but this new technology with the drones and the high def cameras allowed us to literally go from a few feet off the ground to hundreds of feet in the air in seconds. And, uh, combined with a good camera, it's really amazing the perspectives you get. And so with that technology, we wrote a script telling the story of the battle, three day battle. And, and then went out and shot it using this helicopter this radio control helicopter um, and so it was exhausting. it was a really intense technical and shoot, but it was it turned out quite well we We're very happy with what we got and again stuff nobody's ever seen before, and Gettysburg's a pretty well photographed place, starting with the 1860s as we all know
1: true i you know i when I was working at the the Lincoln Museum in Fort Wayne, we were designing a new permanent exhibit in 1993 and I conceived of a video exhibit that would let the visitor uh, see a battlefield from the air using what was at the time new you know, GPS technology to create a, a, a graphic map, three-dimensional map of the field. And I I was describing this to the, the people who would design it and in my mind's eye I was picturing essentially you'd be Flying over the battlefield in the sort of just as, as you're doing, and they produced something that was pretty cool, but it wasn't anything quite like that. That what I was describing was really well beyond what they could do at the time um, sure. not, not photographing, but just uh, but with uh, you know three dimensional graphics portraying what I had in mind. At least it was beyond the budget of what that we could get them to do. But when I was watching again the preview, I was thinking, "That's what I had in mind 20 years ago. That's what I wanted to, <laughs> to, to do." But there was no way it could be done, and and you've realized that that dream. That's uh, uh, very very impressive. Um, Thank you. Let me ask one question. I'm sure the visitors, the listeners, are 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 shouting at this point to themselves: "Is when and where can we see this?" Uh, so so let let's we'll, well, we'll repeat this information. But tell me now.
4: Sure, sure. Uh, this past Sunday was the first time anybody saw it outside of the people that have worked on it. That was the world premiere at the Majestic Theater, part of the Gettysburg Festival in Gettysburg. And then starting next week, we're going to start a two-week run at the Majestic Cinema in downtown Gettysburg, just a uh, half a block from Lincoln Square, where Lincoln spent the night and uh, right next to where he got off the train on his visit to Gettysburg. And so it'll be Two weeks at the Gettysburg Majestic Theater, uh, twice nightly as well as weekend matinees. It's going to have another screening on July 5th at the Gettysburg Museum and Visitor Center during their celebration of the 150th. And it will be available on DVD. It'll be available at digital download and streaming. And then in the fall, it's going to be broadcast nationally via public television. Our national distributor is Maryland Public Television, and it should be available around the time of the 150th anniversary of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, which is of course November 19th. So look for it in November nationally on television. But if you want to see it before that, you can always look to our website at GettysburgStory dot com, and you'll be able to get the DVD starting uh, in about a week, and wow. as well as get digital downloads.
1: So, so that's www.GettysburgStory, dot all one word dot uh, com uh, right in. in it, Starting in, in July uh, of 2013, people will be able to get the DVD. But you're saying it's also, if you're in the Gettysburg area, go see it at on a big screen, and that will really add to the uh, the impact of this.
4: Yeah, and, I know there's going to be a lot of people coming to Gettysburg in the coming weeks. Uh, there I'm hearing tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people will see how it turns out. But they're, they'll be doing it at the Gettysburg Majestic, which is a great, great theater. It's, it's brand new digital projection, and uh, as well as Dolby Surround five point one sound. So it'll be an amazing soundtrack, and, and the film really does look good on a big screen. It's a very visual depiction of the battlefield, and so as we've been describing, it's these very epic landscape shots, both with the aerials and the radio control helicopter drones, as well as the motion control time lapse, which is a whole nother technology showing time passing at the clouds and the sun and the shadows and the stars and everything interplay over the course of hours on the battlefield, and it's a very evocative imagery. And so it's a really neat thing to see on the big screen.
1: You mentioned um, permission from the Park Service. The the Park Service has, has, first of all, done a wonderful job with uh, the Gettysburg battlefield itself in terms of, of recreating the 1863 view escapes as far as they can uh when i was there last week with uh, with this tour group they wanted to uh walk the the pickett's charge route which we did uh, and not everybody in the group was uh, uh younger than i am uh, i'll say that uh, uh no one old enough to remember gettysburg uh, the battle itself but but certainly only the trees now uh, only the trees were there but we were able to walk it and and as we walked, you know, I could point out that these farms, these fences were here in eighteen sixty three uh you know even ten fifteen years ago, there were a lot of forests over the the battlefield that that obscured the view so i'm curious how how did you negotiate uh to to get access to uh to have a drone hovering you know what appears to be two feet over general lee's head? Uh, to take some of these shots. Maybe there's a zoom lens sure. involved there, but how, how did you do that?
4: Uh, well, we uh, we approached a National Park. Now, I grew up in Gettysburg. My father, of course, as we just talked about, as a historian and worked at Gettysburg College. And, you know, we've had both sort of a, a local as well as my dad and now my professional relationship with a lot of folks at the National Park. And some people have been there for a long time and others have, you know, just started, but they all are, tend to be quite passionate about their mission there at Gettysburg. And so uh literally sat down at lunch with uh, Bob Kirby who's the superintendent of the park mm-hmm. and uh you know kind of just threw out the idea hey what do you think about this doing a film could we get permission to uh to have an uh radio control camera fly around on the battlefield and now, Gettysburg is a very popular place with the media, and so he said they get a lot of requests, but he had never heard that one before. And I think he, you know, to his credit, he instantly saw the possibilities, what could come of it. And, uh, you know, he supported it. And then working with his staff, you know, getting the proper permissions, working with the security, making every, sure everything was safe, uh, and, you know, shooting at proper times so that it would be safe to do it as well as getting great light. We, yes. had, we had a really great cooperation to shoot there. And so I think it really, I hope at its best, this film kind of helps fulfill the National Parks mission in Gettysburg, which is to really interpret and, and share the battlefield with, with American citizens. And uh, I, what I really would love to see is that it's an exciting new take, a dynamic take on this, this 150-year-old battle that invigorates both people that know the battle well, but people that may have no interest are newer generations that haven't really learned about the Civil War yet, and, uh, and trying to get more people to understand and get excited about what happened there.
1: Well, I, I, I can't imagine it will fail to have that impact. We're going to take another short break now. We'll come back in just a moment. We're talking uh, this part of the show with Jake Borat, a filmmaker whose new production, The Gettysburg Story will be seen on public television in the fall of 2013 and will be available on DVD uh, in July this year. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and we'll be back shortly with more Civil War Talk Radio.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio. Hey! Did you know Voice America has partnered with the KidStar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on VoiceAmericaKids.com.
0: Listen. Listen.
2: The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel.
1: Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Jake Borat, filmmaker whose new documentary, The Gettysburg Story, was just uh, previewed in June 2013. Will be shown on public television nationwide in November of this year and uh, will be available fairly soon in July uh, in DVD and digital download format. It is a, uh, a documentary telling of the familiar story of Gettysburg but using some remarkable new technology to get views of the battlefield that we have really only been able to imagine before, that that shows us uh, uh, how things look in, in a new light. So uh, something I'm certainly looking forward to. Uh, Jake, I wanted to ask you, uh, uh, we've been talking about the technology and the visuals. Uh, who wrote the script for this? Uh, how, I wrote where? the
4: script. I, uh, it was adapted from an auto tour that I wrote and produced working with my dad a couple years ago. The whole project kind of began. My dad retired from Gettysburg College, of course. he has been doing tours of the battlefield for years as we uh, kind of joke, but it's true. He's given tours to everybody from Moses, a.k.a. Charlton Heston, to the President of the United States. And so when he retired, I was thinking of a project we might do together and uh, came up with this idea to do an audio tour following the National Park auto tour route based on his work and sort of writing in a more dramatic kind of narrative or story-driven fashion and telling the story of the battle for both first-time visitors There's a lot of in Gettysburg and also uh, people that are fascinated with the battlefield and come many times. And so we wrote the Gettysburg story, Battlefield Auto Tour. We had it recorded. and It was narrated by Stephen Lang, the actor, who, of course, is
0: known very well
4: to Civil War folks and Gettysburg and gods and generals. It's Pickett and Stonewall Jackson and even more famous probably for Avatar now. And uh, and so then out of that, I was uh, doing another project that was going through public television. Maryland Public Television and approached him about doing a film about Gettysburg. And uh, the sort of it was at the time quite a vague idea of using these new technologies in some way to tell the story of the battle through the battlefield itself and really visually grab the landscape and make it become a narrative and a story. And, um, and so I started working kind of from the baseline of this auto tour, which is two and a half to three hours long and then winnowing it down. And and the hardest thing with Gettysburg, of course, is that it's just such a vast, vast trove of of exciting information, amazing stories, and important things that you inevitably are cutting out, really, really both wonderful stories and important details. And so to get it into a format that can be broadcast on public television, which is about 55 minutes, it was extremely, extremely time-intensive. And so I wrote the script over the past year, and uh sort of shot, you know, last year when we we shot it, we shot to the script, but then in the editing it was refined even further. And the and the film really became very visually driven. In fact, the editor I worked with, Iron Meistrich, and I sat down and, and I was really just telling him that cut this film visually. Iron knows Gettysburg very well. And so he was confident enough to understand the geography and the different places to know that well, that that hill is different from this hill, you know, that this is this is Culp's Hill and that's extremely different than whatever hill is, you know, Power's Hill or something just beyond it. And to understand the difference between the stonewall that Armistead goes across versus the stone wall, you know, five hundred yards away and, and that they're very different to someone that understands Gettysburg. And so we became very precise with the exact footage we were using and, and really tried very hard to make sure that it was it was the, the script which told the story of the battle. Was working directly with the imagery to be historically precise, as best we can,
1: and, and, and that uh, will be very welcome, I think, to uh, uh, listeners uh, to this show and, and people who are passionate about Civil War history, because uh, so often you, you get the opposite, uh, where you know any any bit of footage will do, any stone wall will do, or any group of six reenactors running across the hill can work for a narrative of Pickett's Charge, um, and to, to have somebody who actually knows the difference between Culp's Hill and Powers Hill, uh, not only writing it but also uh, filming it, is is going to make this very, I think, successful, certainly, with uh, again, with an audience that that cares deeply about it.
4: Uh, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, it's you know, having seen a lot of stuff on Gettysburg and on the Civil War in general, and some of it it was very good. Uh, A lot of it is not very good, and uh, some stuff is frustratingly even with big budgets and capable production skills, they don't really pull it through. The history is not right. They uh, they skip over important details. They focus on seemingly trivial things, and oftentimes, and maybe being local to Gettysburg, what's most frustrating is that they don't really celebrate or show the place itself, which is, is really hallowed ground uh, when it's available. And Now, you know, whether it's be shot in South Africa or it be shot on a, a film lot someplace else, and, you know, there's reasons for that, but our film, we very much, and through the cooperation with the National Park, we're able to show the exact places where these events happen, and, and they're so brilliantly preserved by, by the National Park that they exist, and in many cases they exist almost as they looked in 1863. And so okay. that's that's crucial. And then, and then the challenge really became, once you have this sort of vast collection of, of a basically landscaped, dramatic landscape cinematography, how does that work into an exciting story? How does that work to make a good film? And that was really the challenge in the edit and the post production was trying to make the land tell the story of the battle. And Gettysburg, I'm not going to say it's unique, but it certainly is a special place in the sense that the land is so crucial to the events that take place there, and and. Goes right with the characters, whether it be famous people like Lee and Meade and Longstreet and Hancock or, or lesser known characters that we focus on. Uh, Isaac Taylor from the first Minnesota, um, General Barksdale is, is a lesser known Confederate general, although probably not to your listeners. I'm sure he's well known, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, just trying to sort of get the sense and, and, uh, tell the whole story of the battle through the characters, but also driven by this imagery of the exact landscape.
1: Well, this is, is very promising. I have actually a copy of that auto tour you mentioned, and I have driven around. I think probably the last time I was at the the institute, which was a few years ago, uh, uh, I got a copy of that. So as I was leaving down, I put it in the CD and drove around and, and enjoyed it. it. It did give uh, a different perspective. There was thank you. There there was one moment I wish I could remember specifically where uh, Stephen Lang, the narrator. Uh, advises looking at something, and, and may, maybe there's something at the beginning of the thing that warns you not to do this. But there are moments where the driver should not be looking at what you're talking about, or you're going to run head on into uh, traffic in the other lane uh, uh, if, if you're not paying attention. Uh, but I remember when it happened; it made me laugh out loud because it was it was just amusing. But that that's a, a minor point. The whole thing was was very effective, and, and, and thank I you it very much. Uh, so more reason to to want to see this film let me ask you uh, uh about growing up on in uh america's most famous small town uh uh you, you were born uh in gettysburg
4: i wasn't actually born there I, my my dad was at uh, what was at memphis state university when i was born so i was born in memphis tennessee uh okay. and uh, a few years later he got the job at gettysburg college and moved there uh and i started kindergarten in gettysburg and, um, and so been there, you know, grew up there. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, I grew up in the, in the home that we lived in. My parents still live there is a, uh, is a Civil War era farm. It was built around 1800. It was both a stop on the Underground Railroad before the battle. It was occupied by a tenant farmer, a free black man named Basil Biggs, who's somewhat famous for both being part of the Underground Railroad, according to his obituary, as well as, uh, being one of the men hired to, uh, do the reburials. For the National Cemetery where Lincoln of course spoke. And there's an amazing picture of, of of Basil Biggs and some others doing this really grisly work of reinterring the bodies, digging up the bodies and reinterring the bodies. And then during the battle it was actually a uh, it was General Barksdale who I just mentioned. It was it was Barksdale Brigade Hospital. And there we found all sorts of artifacts, bullets. Even a bayonet, full bayonet my mom pulled out of the garden once. Didn't know what it was, but she said it was a piece <laughs> of farm equipment. But I was saw it when she stuck it in the ground. I said, Why is there a bayonet here? And it was clear. Wow. So it's uh I don't think that's uncommon if you live on a farm near the Gettysburg battlefield. Now of course you're not allowed to go relic hunting on a national park, but on private property we've gone out with metal detectors and pulled all sorts of bullets and um even bullets that have teeth marks, meaning that they were used uh Probably when
1: they were doing surgery, yeah, the
4: surgeons, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so I'm so sure that, you've seen them.
1: So it must have had a, you know, obviously an impact. It's it just hard for to, to conceive of, of growing up there, where t- to everyone else, uh, you would say that that's the ridge where uh, you know where Barksdale's men formed up. And you might look at the same place and go, oh, my first girlfriend lived on that house, uh, or something to that effect. That, that it, For you, it's a personal landscape, not just a historic one.
4: Yeah, well, that's true. I always, it's a very, very short story, but I have um, good friend, their last name was Trosel, which is an old, old local Adams County, Gettysburg name. And uh, I saw them, they were working on the farm. And, uh, it was actually the Kodori farm. Of course, the farm right in the middle of Pickett's Charge there. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I still get confused between the Kodori farm and the Trozil farm simply because my friend, the Trozil, were working on the Kodori farm. And so in my head, that was where the Trozil's were. And so that's a pretty local confusion. I know it now, but it's still in the back of my head. I still think that's where the Trozil's are working. Uh, and, and, but yeah, so it does have a different take and, uh, you know, I mean, we had different perspectives being local, but I, you know, also I grew up around a lot of Civil War people, you know, obviously my dad and, uh, you know, whether it be Jim McPherson or Ken Burns or, or Michael Sherry was that, or, you know, like all these people that are kind of legends in, in this world were just friends with my dad and colleagues. And so I was sort of very privileged to be around those kind of people as a kid. And you know, to me, they, you know, when I are eight years old, that's, you're <laughs> not that impressed by it, but in retrospect, it was pretty neat.
1: Yeah, that is, is really, really something else. Well, we're running short on time. I do Let me ask one question that, that did occur to me as I was looking at, at the, the film. Is there a risk of romanticizing the scene? It, it's so beautiful and lush, seen from above. Um, will viewers forget you know, how much suffering took place there?
4: Well, that's, I think that was in some ways the fundamental challenge in the edit is that when we first, you know, I had written the script, we had Steve Lang record it, and then we started to cut the footage, and while you're hearing about what the, you know, Patty O'Rourke being, being killed or, uh, you know, General Barksdale getting, you know, shot through his chest and, and, and water leaking out as he's trying to have his last drinks, uh, you know, these kind of vicious, awful uh, visuals, you're seeing this gorgeous scenery. And so it really required kind of eliminating a lot of words and allowing, really trusting, trusting your audience, trusting the viewer to have the imagination to sort of see the exact ground. Now, of course, we're not using any reenactors. We're not even using any paintings. We use very few archival photographs. It's, It's almost entirely landscape cinematography of the battlefield and a few digital animated maps, literally, where we animate soldier movements over aerial cinematography of the battlefield on the precise location. So we're really trusting the viewer to be able to to through the narration, through the writing, understand what happened there. And uh along with the music and the soundtrack, you're getting a sense of the viciousness of it, but but we're we're not showing blood and gore and, and certainly how awful it would have looked during the battle with the exception of a few of the uh photographs taken of the of the dead after the battle.
1: Well, as it it just occurred to me, where where this kind of bird's eye view of the battle uh, uh, is is familiar to me and why it made such an impression, and that is uh, a source that many of the guests on this show and many listeners who are uh, closer to my age than yours, who who may have been uh, kids during the centennial uh, in the nineteen sixties, is Bruce Catton's Centennial History of the Civil War, the American Heritage volume. which did include a number of lush landscape photos of how, of battlefields as they looked in his day in the 1960s, but also had these maps drawn uh, by David Greenspan that were uh, uh, bird's eye views of battlefields as if you were hovering over them with everything reduced, with, with the soldiers shown on the battlefields and the towns, but he would draw 100 tiny soldiers where 10,000 might have actually fought. But right. it, it made everything down to scale, and I know very few people of my generation in the Civil War community who weren't really taken by those maps. Uh, do, do you know what I'm talking about? Are you familiar with those? Yeah, I
4: knew that. I actually knew that book well as a kid. It was a big, sort of a hard, big, thick, hardbound blue cover. The yes. It was a that's blue the cover one. with gold writing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I loved those maps, and yeah, that was neat. Yeah. Big picture of Stonewall
1: Jackson in there. Left yes, there. yes, uh, silhouetted. That, that's exactly what uh, what your movie may be, that same thing to another generation. Uh, we're wow. just about out of time. Let me ask you, if somebody missed the Kickstarter fundraiser but wants to contribute to this project, is that still possible?
4: Sure, they can visit our website. Again, GettysburgStory.com, all one word, GettysburgStory.com. And uh, we have a uh, online system, PayPal set up, and if if you're interested in being part of it, you can still be part of the project. And uh, And just like the Kickstarter campaign, you'll receive rewards depending on your level of backing, you know, ranging from a, a digital copy to DVDs to even, in some cases, credit in the in the closing uh, backer credits of the film.
1: So, uh, listeners, you can still take part in, in being part of this really remarkable new look at the Battle of Gettysburg. Uh, if you want to do that, and you won't want to miss uh, watching this movie when it's done. I'm looking forward to it. Jake, thanks so much for being on the show today, and please say thanks to your dad for me.
4: I'll do that. Well, thank you. It's great. and Thank you for the invitation. It's wonderful to talk about it, and I, I hope a lot of people will be able to see the film.
1: And, and listeners to Civil War Talk Radio, as always, thank you for listening.